Well, I hope you sense the excitement building for this all-church initiative we're calling the Being Like Jesus Challenge. I guess you could say that today is our soft launch because this uh, 40-day devotional actually begins on the first day of February. But it's important to get your book now, so make sure you go to brc.church to register and arrange to get your book. And then read the introduction by next Sunday when I'll start talking about the six habits involved in being like Jesus. That's what this book is all about. Starting February 1st, we will have a short daily devotional reading and exercise designed to help us incorporate six habits into our lives. And I'll be introducing these uh, six habits next Sunday. So right now, your job is to register and order your book. Which leads to today. Uh, today, I'd like to set us up with some theological background that's very important. Uh, like I said, next week I'm going to explain why dedicating ourselves to forming good habits is an important part of growing to be more like Jesus. But today, I want to give you some theological background to guard us from getting any wrong ideas about these very, very good six habits. Which is possible. It is possible to get the wrong idea about good habits. Uh, when you hear that we'll be growing some good habits in order to be like Jesus, you might get the idea that being like Jesus comes down to personal willpower. You might get the idea that being like Jesus is a matter of sheer effort, that being like Jesus means gritting your teeth and trying really hard. And if you get that idea, unfortunately, you're getting the wrong idea. Let me explain, or better yet, let me uh, ask Jesus to explain. Uh, just listen to what Jesus told his followers in the hours before his crucifixion in the Gospel of John chapter 14. Jesus said, If you love me, you will do what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you now and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. These words are really important because they correct all those wrong ideas about being like Jesus. So let's spend some time making sure we understand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus begins by saying to his followers, if you love me, you will do what I command. And I guess you could say that this is Jesus issuing his own being like Jesus challenge. Uh, Jesus looked at his people and says, if you love me, then follow me. Do what I command. Jesus is challenging his followers to be like him. But notice what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say, the challenge is to be perfectly wise, forgiving, loving, perfectly unselfish like me, so you're going to need to really try hard. Get ready to sweat it out, grit your teeth, because living like me is going to take everything you've got. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say anything about trying hard to be like him. In fact, Jesus seems to assume that his followers can never live like him, which explains why Instead of saying, try hard, people, Jesus says, 
If you're going to succeed in my being like Jesus challenge, you are going to need my spirit in you. You are going to need the indwelling spirit of truth who comes from the Father. Who is the spirit of truth? Well, Jesus says that the spirit of truth is different from him in that Jesus calls the spirit of truth another counselor. But at the same time, Jesus also identifies the spirit of truth as the same as himself and the spiritual continuation of his physical life with his followers, such that when speaking of his spirit, uh, Jesus says, I will come to you and you will see me just as I am with you now. I will be in you. So the spirit of truth is both the same as Jesus and different than Jesus, which is a perfect description of the Trinity and the Trinity relationship between the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul speaks of this same but different relationship between the Son and Spirit when he writes these words to the believers in Rome in Romans chapter 8. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So do you see what the Apostle Paul is doing here? He's talking about the Holy Spirit who indwells believers, and Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. They are the same, but different. Which brings us back to John 14 and the being like Jesus challenge Jesus gives his followers. Jesus makes it very clear that being like him is not accomplished by personal willpower. It is only accomplished by the indwelling power of the spirit of truth. And who is the spirit of truth? He is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, living in believers and enabling them to be like Jesus. Are you with me? I, I hope so. Uh, because starting on February 1st, we're going to spend 40 days incorporating habits that will help us be like Jesus. We're going to see how important these habits are, but it's important to understand that by themselves, these habits do not make us like Jesus. Only the indwelling Holy Spirit can make us like Jesus. Good habits do not make us like Jesus, but the Holy Spirit using good habits makes us more like Jesus. So now at this point, you may be asking yourself if you have the Holy Spirit, which is a great question, and the answer starts with Jesus. Have you asked God to forgive you based on your belief in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you? Does gratitude and love for Jesus make you want to follow him and please him with your life? If this is true about you, then scripture says that you are a child of God and God indwells you with his Holy Spirit as a gift, a gift that cannot be earned, a gift that can't be lost. And your very desire to grow to be like Jesus is a confirmation that you are indwelled with the Spirit of Christ. People who do not have the Holy Spirit do not have any desire to be like Jesus. So, believer, if you're somewhere on that spectrum of desire to be like Jesus, be encouraged that your desire to live like Jesus is a sign that the Spirit of Christ lives in you, which is so important because I can't live like Jesus by sheer effort. 
No one can live like Jesus except the indwelling spirit of Jesus. Think about it. Uh, Jesus lived a supernatural life where he touched people and healed them. He changed ordinary water into an extraordinary wine. He brought dead people back to life. He loved people who hated him. He forgave people who hurt him. Jesus lived a supernatural life of joy and confidence and peace and power, which is impossible to just imitate with natural effort. I'll never live the supernatural Jesus life through my natural effort. Only the spirit of Jesus can enable me to live like Jesus. Which leads me to what theologians call the shaggy dog principle. The Shaggy Dog Principle refers to an old black and white movie called The Shaggy DA, you know, the Shaggy District Attorney. Uh, it's a story of a guy named Mr. Daniels who is trying to run for district attorney, but his evil opponent gets hold of a magic ring that ends up sending Mr. Daniels into the body of a dog, into the body of Elwood, the Shaggy Dog who hangs out at the neighborhood ice cream shop. Now, going into the body of a shaggy dog was not good for Mr. Daniels, but it was great for Elwood the dog, because with Mr. Daniels in him, Elwood could do things he could never do otherwise. And the movie gets to its, you know, comedy peak when we see the shaggy dog talking, driving a car, running for district attorney, and sitting on the couch reading a newspaper, which brings me back to what theologians call the shaggy dog principle. Actually, I'm the only theologian who talks about the shaggy dog principle. I'm just really hoping it's going to catch on. Because the principle illustrates an important spiritual truth. By himself, Elwood the shaggy dog could never learn to read a newspaper. Why? Well, it's not because dogs are lazy. It's because dogs don't have the power to do what humans can do. Dogs cannot read, but it's not as if dogs are not trying hard enough. It's, it doesn't matter how hard a dog tries. It's impossible for a dog to read a newspaper. I mean, it's hard enough to train a dog to use a newspaper, much less read it. Uh, Elwood could never learn to read a newspaper. But, but, but... When Elwood received the indwelling spirit of Mr. Daniels, suddenly Elwood could do what a dog can never do, but a human being can. And there you go. Uh, just like a shaggy dog can never live like a human just by trying harder, I can't be like Jesus just by trying harder. You can't be like Jesus just by trying harder. Being like Jesus is impossible without the transforming power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Understanding this truth is so important. Understanding that being like Jesus is first and foremost the work of the Holy Spirit is important for several reasons. Uh, first, understanding this truth saves me from the guilt and frustration of the failure cycle. See, if I think that being like Jesus is dependent upon me and my effort, I will fail. And when I fail, I will feel guilty. Then guilt starts to be what motivates me to be like Jesus, which turns into legalism, which leads to more failure, which leads to giving up, which leads to more guilt, and a failure cycle that just goes on and on. That's the first reason it's so important to understand that being like Jesus begins with the Holy Spirit and not my effort. The second reason is joy. The Holy Spirit is the most joyful person you will ever get to know.
In Galatians, the Apostle Paul gives us a list of the nine personal qualities that mark a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the top two marks, love and joy. Being like Jesus should never be the stressed out, back-breaking, teeth-grinding chore. No, being like Jesus is supposed to be the adventure of partnering with the most joyful person anywhere, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Growing to be like Jesus is meant to be this joyful experience of being led by this most joyful person and then getting happier and happier each moment in the process, which is why the Apostle Paul uses wine drinking as an analogy. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Do you hear the joy in these words? Uh, what Paul is making here is a loose comparison between wine and the Holy Spirit. Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And Paul uses a Greek present tense of continuation. So he's saying, keep on, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the analogy. When a person drinks wine and keeps on drinking wine, eventually there comes this invisible point where the person is no longer in control, but the wine is in control. Uh, there is this invisible point at which the drinker is not in control of his mind and body and tongue, but the drink is controlling the drinker. And it's the same way with God's Spirit. When you keep on drinking in the things of the Holy Spirit, when you keep on asking the Spirit of Christ to control you, when you keep on yielding control to the Holy Spirit, you will eventually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how do you know when you are filled? You're filled with the Holy Spirit at that invisible point when you are no longer in control, but God is in control. And as you keep on drinking in the Holy Spirit's control over your thoughts, your actions, your speech, there comes that invisible point when you are no longer steering your life, but you are driving your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So now you can see how the Holy Spirit and good habits work together. It's the Holy Spirit who makes us like Jesus. But it's the keeping on and keeping on and keeping on in the Holy Spirit that are these good habits that we'll be talking about starting next week. Jim Cimbala is the pastor of a church just across the border into New York called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And something very strange happened in one of their live church services. Uh, pastor Cimbala came to the end of his sermon and he moved to the side of the pulpit. And with his eyes closed, uh, he invited people to get out of their seats and come forward to kneel at the front of the church as an expression of their desire to draw closer to God. But because he had his eyes closed, the pastor didn't see that the only person who got up was a man with khaki pants, a green shirt, and a gun. And the man walked down the aisle with a loaded gun pointed toward the pastor, but the pastor had his eyes closed calling people to come to Jesus while everybody else was panicked thinking that the pastor was about to go to Jesus. Then it happened. The man with the gun walked up to the pastor and then put his gun on the platform and fell to his knees weeping and saying, Jesus, I give up. And it turned out that the man had no plans to shoot the pastor, but he did have plans that day to shoot someone else who had ruined his life. 
And that gun symbolized what his life was like under his control. So the man surrendered his gun to Jesus to signal his desire to surrender control of his life to the Holy Spirit. And right now, I'd like to give you the opportunity to surrender to the Holy Spirit. It might sound strange, but perhaps the best thing you can do to start this being like Jesus challenge is to say, Jesus, I give up. Maybe the best thing you can do is to say, Jesus, I give up trying to live like you. Jesus, I'm ready to surrender control to the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, I surrender my weapons of selfishness and anger and guilt and pride. And I want you to control me and make me more like Jesus. I want to drink you in and keep on drinking you in. Which is why Jesus gave us the bread and cup of communion. He gives us the bread and he calls us to take his body into our bodies. He gives us the cup and he calls us to drink in his spirit of truth. In a moment, I'll pray. And after the prayer, uh, we'll have a 90 second video. And if you're in a place where you can take communion right now, this video is designed to give you a few moments to gather the bread and cup. If you're taking communion with other people, I recommend preparing a separate cup for each person, as I'll be allowing you a few moments to hold the bread before we eat together and hold the cup for a few moments of personal prayer before we eat and drink together. And now, let's pray. Oh God, we worship you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as we come to the bread and cup of communion, uh, Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that gives us a forever friendship with the Father. But we also thank you that your sacrifice on the cross makes it possible for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now, Jesus, as we uh, take the bread, Uh, Would you make this a holy moment where we are choosing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And Lord, take the cup and would you make this the holy moment when we are drinking in, choosing to drink in the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit into our lives. We pray this uh, for your glory, Jesus as we remember you and your sacrifice. Amen.
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after he gave thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everyone take a piece of bread and hold it as we have a, a moment for personal prayer. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, taking the bread together. In the same way, Jesus also took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Now holding the cup for a period of quiet reflection. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, drinking together. And now let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this beautiful plan of salvation. This plan of salvation that includes restoring us to a relationship with you, even though uh, we are sinful and separated from you. Thank you for restoring us to our relationship with you. But Lord, we also thank you that you are through your indwelling spirit, restoring us to be people uh, who are more and more like you created us to be. And so Lord, we as a church uh, dedicate ourselves uh, to allowing you to work within us and through your indwelling spirit to become more and more like Jesus. For your glory and our joy, we pray it. Amen.